Scripture memory verse tonight, Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers, Acts 2.42. Anybody else? Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and the prayers, Acts 2.42. Good job. Anybody else? I do think you had a few extra ands in there, but you're okay. <laughs> Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Oh, go ahead, sorry. And fellowship. Um, breaking. In the breaking of bread and in prayer. Acts 2.42. Good job. Of course, as I was going to say, the ands don't. Because I usually say, and they continued steadfastly in the word prayer and fellowship, just to try to get people to, to see what we're looking at. But anybody else? Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and, and in fellowship, and the breaking of bread, Good job. Are you picking on him? No. Another N? He had an extra N in there. <laughs> it's 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 a very it's a very interesting verse, as she said. She said it's not even a Greg verse. So um, that's funny, and, but it's one that we need to know. It's uh, how the early church grew. So. I always want to remind you before we get moving is we call it the book of Acts uh, written by Dr. Luke to Theophilus, lovers of God and I, and I like that verse 1 says uh, the former account I made to you of all the things or excuse me, the former account I made to you well, I knew it until I started to say it. Uh, I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both, and there's an important word there, both to do and to teach. And so he was doing and teaching. And I think that the service opens up the avenue of teaching. When you're doing it, when you're performing it, it is a light. And so not to take away from speaking the word of God, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the work of the ministry. And that's why we would, we would be in the Word of God. So the book of Acts. It's not just Acts. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. And it's so important that we understand that. Because when you're looking at the cross, we are to be crucified with Christ. And so now if we're dead at the cross and crucified with Christ... And it's, I, it's no longer I who live, but the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now I need the Holy Spirit to lead me. And so the Holy Spirit's the only one that can lead us to do the work of God because the Holy Spirit is God and knows the mind of God. He knows the plans that God has for us. He knows the gifts and talents and ability. He's the one that gives them to us. And so our dependency in being taught 
washed and cleansed, led everything, has to be in the Holy Spirit. So when we read the book of Acts, we don't go, man, look what they were doing. What I would look at is look how they were surrendering and allowing the Holy Spirit to use their vessel to do the work of the ministry and accomplish what they accomplished. Because when you open up into this book, and we're going to here, you see Peter give the first sermon in chapter 2 of the whole church. Well, what happened? They were in the upper room waiting, chapter 1, for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit to fall. Chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls upon them. And as you see, as of uh, cloven tongues, as of wind blowing. And then the people come and accuse them of being full of new wine. They begin to speak in tongues. They're doing something that's different. You can actually look at it. It's right here in the text. It's, it's, too, it's very interesting to know because there's a lot of things going on with tongues in the church that are not biblical. Uh, but if you look that they were speaking in tongues, and look at verse 2, 11, the last two of the people that were there, Cretans and Arabs, B, we hear them. Listen, this is the testimony that's given by the Holy Spirit from the people. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Now listen to me. Why do I tell you that? Because while all of this is going on and these people are speaking in tongues, what are people hearing? They're hearing the praise of God, the wonderful works of God. Today, tongues are misabused. Tongues is a, is a prayer language. It's a tongue of angels. But when you speak it, it should be proclaiming praise, the wonderful works of God, to proclaim what he has done. Not, and many times we use it like it's a prophecy. Uh, Thus the Lord is coming back to take the church home. We already know that. Why would the Holy Spirit be using somebody to do that? So be very careful with the tongue movement. Not everybody speaks in tongues. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 tells us that. Not everybody's going to speak in tongues. If everybody spoke in tongues, we'd all be one big mouth. There's different a diversity of graces that the Holy Spirit gives. But the only reason I'm telling you this is the amazing thing that you see that when the Holy Spirit comes into somebody's life, everything changes. Remember, because it's Peter. What did Peter just do? Just a few days before this, he denied Christ three times. And he went away and went fishing. He backslid. And then when the Holy Spirit comes, because he's back obeying, he's back in the upper room waiting on God for God to do what he's going to do. Then when the Holy Spirit falls, Peter does what? Exactly what Jesus told him to do. When you've returned to me, encourage the brethren. He gives a sermon. He gives the answer for those that are making accusations. These are all full of new wine. Of course, giving us another thought to take in, and I don't mean to go sidebarring on you, but there was, he said full of new wine because there was different types of wine that you could be, you know, new wine wouldn't have as much of a fermentation, so you're not going to get drunk on it, but you could get tipsy on it. New wine hasn't had time to ferment. So anyway, those are all thoughts that you have to look at when you're looking at the book of Acts. But notice now the Holy Spirit uses him and he perfectly quotes how many Old Testament scriptures when he gives them this. I mean, he quotes all the way through. I'm not going to read it all. But he begins to quote from Joel uh, and, and from Psalms and, 
and tells them what really is going on. The promises of God, the wonderful works of God, where they can understand it, telling them exactly what is happening at that time. Because you can always use the Word of God to explain God. If you can't find it in the Word of God about what's going on, then it's not of God. Because he's not changing and he's not doing anything new. And many churches are doing things. Listen, I said churches. They're doing things that the Bible does not condone or speak of. And then they call it God and they go, look, God's doing a new thing. No, he's not. If it's new, it's not from God. And if it's from God, it's not new. God is doing the same thing he's always been doing. He repeats it over and over and over and over what he's doing. He's taking the people that are choosing him freely. He's taking them out of the world to live with him forever. And those that say no to him, he's going to punish them. Because he freely died to set us free. For freedom's sake, we've been set free. So he gives this entire sermon. He explains what's going on. He tells them about it. He tells them it wasn't, uh, and I'm fast forwarding, and I would give you encouragement to read uh, for homework, 214 through uh, 233. Because I'm not going to be talking about them. I'm going to probably start in verse 36, I think. Uh, but he gives this entire sermon about what just took place and what God had promised and what God was fulfilling and what God was going to do. And he even talks about some things that are still to take place. In those verses, okay? And he speaks to them clearly. This man that was scared, that was afraid to chop somebody's ear off because he was not listening to God. Remember the first time he was rebuked, right? Because he said, no, no, we're not going to do that, Jesus. We're not going to go to Jerusalem and die. Now, he had just been told, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because heaven or flesh and blood did not tell you that. Very important thing. You don't want to hear your gospel from flesh and blood. But the Father in heaven told you. And then he tries to rebuke Jesus to say, we're not going to die. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And then he still won't change his mind, even though Jesus is trying to counsel him. And he shows up in the garden with him with a sword in his hand. And he tries to stop Jesus from drinking the cup that saves the world. And so he runs off and denies Jesus three times. And then he feels pitiful, and, and he goes and he backslides and says, I'm going fishing. I don't know what's going on. I'm going back to the comfortable. I'm going back to the normal. Let me tell you that being a Christian has rest and peace and joy, but it's not comfortable. If you are comfortable and complacent and content, there's a problem. Because every time you open the word of God, God is trying to change us. He's trying to grow us. He's trying to teach us. He's trying to encourage us to go out and tell somebody the gospel and to walk out our gifting. But he doesn't want us to be comfortable behind enemy lines. I am not saying anything bad. We can have rest. You can sit down and go, man, it's so good to be in the joy of the Lord. It's so good to know that I'm safe. It's so good to know that God has called me. But how can you be in comfort behind enemy lines? It is not comfortable. It is not comfortable and the work is not finished. And we have been called out to tell people that. And we should be a light in their darkness. And it should affect people. I, I'm just telling you, it should affect people when the word of God is spoken. It should affect me. It should affect you. Even when we're obeying and doing the right things and we go, man, there's absolutely nothing 
that I know I could be doing differently, the word should still be washing and cleansing us because we're being perfected and there's more in us that needs to be changed. And Paul said himself, I have not arrived. But one thing I do, I forget that which is behind me. Why? Because he's changing his mind. I forget that which is behind me, and I press on toward the higher call of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what we should be doing. We should be forgetting the things behind us, not, not like leaving things undone, but forgetting that which we've done wrong and accepting the payment that's been made and growing and learning and going and building endurance, building patience, learning to rest in the Lord and walk in the Lord because he's leading us. Learning to listen to him and have intimacy with him and talk with him. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Always on the grow. So he gives this man that just cut somebody's ear off, just denied Jesus three times. Think about it. Because now he knows that Jesus rose from the dead, he goes and waits in the upper room. And he knows he's waiting on God's promise. And then when the Holy Spirit falls... He says, whoa, he speaks up to the very people he was afraid of. And he tells them exactly what's happened. And he even says, verse 36, because that's where I'm going to start. Therefore, let all the house of Israel, those governed by God, know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. What an indictment. As he's talking to them, as he's answering them, as he just gave them a complete sermon of everything that happened. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is using him. And he's surrendering. He's learning to be still and let the Holy Spirit use him. So he's able to quote all these scriptures that he already hid in his heart. And the Holy Spirit lines them out to answer the hope that's there. They answer the, the, the accusations against them. And he gives them an indictment, whom you crucified. He's made him both the Lord and Christ. Notice it's because the Holy Spirit has come. When the Holy Spirit comes, our lives should change. Now, verse 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now listen to me. This is what I was talking about. Even us, even us, there's more to do. There's more metanoia. There's more repentance. There's more that we are changing our mind and no longer following the ways of the flesh. When they heard it, they were pierced in their hearts. Pierced in their hearts is what the word is. Cut, pricked. It means pierce. It means this. You can't read your, you can't read your own writing, Greg. It means pain the mind sharply. To pain the mind sharply. To agitate the mind vehemently. vehemently. There's, there's, there's a lot going on when you hear truth. And you're like, what? When you hear this truth, now you're, it's confronting your flesh. And it cuts you. Like a sword. It's a two-edged sword. It cuts you. It pierces you just as Jesus was pierced. And it should cut away the flesh. If we do what? Repent. It cut the heart. Now listen, because the important thing is, again, I keep saying that the devil, see, God takes the physical, all that's going on in our physical, 
and he's preparing us for the spiritual. Every choice you're making right now in the physical is preparing you where you're going to spend the spiritual, right? And if you keep saying no to God, you're going to spend your spiritual life separated from God. If you start saying yes to God and you believe in God and you trust in God, and you're back in the house of God. You're not doing it to be saved. You're already saved for by believing him. But when you believe him, you change your mind. And now you're going to keep changing your mind and you're going to be following him and listen to him. And it prepares you. It's going to prepare your rewards. It's going to prepare the treasures you're laying up. And it's going to prepare you to be ready for the wedding supper of the Lamb and then to rule and reign in the, in the millennial reign with him. So listen to me. That's talking about your heart. Look what, look what happens. The devil, God's preparing us with the physical to the spiritual. The devil takes the spiritual and brings it into the physical and tries to get you to live spiritual things in the physical. He wants you to believe that you can do this when you can't. You have to have the spirit of God to do it. You have to have the power of God to do what God is calling us to do. So here it says they were cutting their hearts. Now you think, oh, so if somebody gets cut in their heart, then there's a, there's a heart surgeon cutting their heart. They're cardia. It's actually even the word cardia that we use for, for cardiac arrest or all those things at the doctor. But he's really talking about the middle of a person, their spirit. He's talking about that part of them that's going to live forever. But it says heart. It says it means the middle of anything. It means the middle of anything. It's not the physical heart that's being cut. It's my spirit that's deciding, am I going to listen to God Listen to that, this word that, that, that just I just received. Or am I going to keep doing what I'm doing? Or am I going to change my mind in my spiritual realm? And only by the Spirit of God do we have the power to change our mind. So when the Spirit is given to us, we're going to see here in a minute. I just, I just want people to understand that because a lot of times I'm talking about the heart. And I think we're thinking our physical heart. No, the great physician in heaven uses the word of God, the sword of the Spirit. And he does heart surgery on our spirits. To, to, to get us to decide, do you love me? Do you Because I first loved you. Are you going to follow me? I've already done it all for you. I'll do it all. I'll lead you. I'll wash you. I'll cleanse you. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord. All you have to do is agree with what I'm saying, and I'll do all the work for you. Every bit of it. There's nothing that you and I have to do. There just simply isn't. Show up. Be faithful. Put our hands to the test. There he is. And he does it. Not us. But then when we start trying to go, look what I did, now you've messed up again. He's going to leave the room, and he's going to chastise you. You have to remember that he's the one doing it. That when Christ appears, our life will appear with him. We're hidden in Christ Jesus right now. We're in that womb, and it's just our spirit that's being dealt with, but we beat our body into subjection because he is sanctifying us body, soul, and spirit. Our body, which is our flesh, our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotion, and then our spirit, which is the heart of us that's going to live somewhere forever. And when people say, I believe in Jesus, and then he says, well, why, why do you say you love me and you don't do the things that I do? See, if you're not going to follow him and change your mind and put on the mind of Christ, then you really don't love it. You can say it all you want, but there's going to be evidence when the spirit of God comes in and we truly love God. Not for salvation, but because of salvation, we allow the Holy Spirit to change us. So look what they said. What shall we do? Listen to me. This is a question. This is a question that we should be asking all the time. 
when we hear a sermon, when we're being equipped, when we know that we're being convicted, when we know the Word of God and the Spirit of God is trying to wash us and cleanse us, we know something just happened and it's, it could be catastrophic in our life. We should be asking God, what shall we do? We should be asking for counsel from people who know the Word of God. What shall we do? And then we're all doing the same thing together instead of bouncing around and people doing things and they're going, oh, well, we think we're supposed to be doing this and they think we're supposed to be doing this and we think we're supposed to be doing that. What does the Spirit say to the church? What is God doing? What should we be doing because of this? Listen to me because it had, the answer hasn't changed. It's never changed. The answer still is repent. Change your mind. We should be doing what God is doing always. Have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. If you stop having an ear to hear, listen, if you stop having an ear to hear what God is saying, you stop having a desire to know what the Word of God says, what the Spirit is leading you to do. Well, I'm already saved. I said a prayer. I don't have to listen to that stuff anymore. And I tell you these testimonies all the time. One of my friends got saved right in front. He went up on the altar and he said a prayer. And he said, don't expect me to be in here all the time. I got things to do. I got a life. So everybody knows that guy didn't get saved. He didn't truly get saved. He instantly put his hand up in the pastor's face. And another guy jumped up, kicked his heels together and said, cuckoo can't get me now, Satan. You might think these are extreme, but this is exactly the way people go out and live after they say, I believe in God. It doesn't have to happen in the physical, in the room. You see the evidence in their lives of how they treat the groom after they said yes to him. And they're not willing to follow him. You see that in their lives when they go back out and they're still married to the world. They go back out and they still believe the science of the world. They go back out and they still follow and will not speak up and be a light in the middle of the room when everybody else is following a lie. I'm just saying, again... This is very difficult in our lives, but it's true. And every time, it should cut our hearts when we hear truth from the Word of God. So what did he answer in 38? Peter said to them, repent, metanoia, and let every one of you be baptized in the name, that's the character, the nature, the will, and the authority of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins, then what will happen, Greg? And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. Repent. Metanoia. Repent. No confusion. Every time this word metanoia is translated 34 times in the New Testament, it's always repent. And it means to think differently, to change your mind. To reconsider what you're doing. And then to follow God. Listen, Matthew 3, 2. John the Baptist comes. What's his first word? Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Matthew 4, 17. Jesus comes. After he went into the wilderness and was tempted for 40 days, what was his first response? He says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus sent out the 12 mark 6 12 what did they do so they went out and they preached that people should repent change your mind why because that's what happened in the garden eve changed her mind 
and she listened to another opinion. Eve changed her mind, and she listened to the devil. And Adam, what did he do? He changed his mind, and he listened to Eve. And God says, change your mind. Quit listening to the counsel of everybody else. And he's written it down for us. 66 books by 40 authors. All scripture is God-breathed. He used people that were listening to him, and they wrote it down. And it's profitable for doctrine, which is how to live. For reproof. You're not doing it right there. I love you, but that's not it. Correction. For instruction in righteousness that the man of God and, yes, the woman of God might be complete, thoroughly equipped, ready for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. So he says, change your mind. Well, what do I change my mind to? I was doing three. I think I like four. No, no. Whatever you were doing, you change it to God's opinion because he's the unchanging God who's always right. He is righteous, holy, and true, and he died for us, and his way is always right. Every other way is wrong. Not just every other way is different. No, it's wrong because you have the synagogues of Satan and all the other voices that are coming in, if it doesn't line up with God, are from Satan because the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. Now all we got to do is go hide in our corners and never do anything. Because it's so scary that there's so many enemy out there. No, if God be for you, who can be against you? He is the God of the universe who came to save. He came. He's the one that wrote all of this. He's planned it out. He's given us everything we need. And what we need to do is begin to sit down and listen to him and change our mind. And quit following the pattern of the world. Quit following the sway of the world. Quit listening to the, the pundits. And quit listening to the news. And quit listening to everybody down here that's got an opinion that does not line up with God's. And if somebody's lines up with God's, it's not because of them. It's because of God. Because they listen to God, now you can listen to them. But you still have to have your own personal relationship. Because guess what? You can be following somebody... And they could stop listening to God. They could decide they wanted to build their own kingdom. And that now that they've got people following them, then now maybe I can just not kind of like deviate a little bit and I can get me some extra cars. And I could get me another house. And maybe I could pay myself more. And now I got people that believe that I'm teaching the truth. And it's not always with a deceptive heart. It's always just that they stop and they become sluggish. And they don't stay in the word, prayer, and fellowship, which is what we're going to get to here in a minute. It's a personal love relationship with each one of us. I'm not going to preach anything new to you guys. I'm going to keep saying the same thing every single week. Because if I, I feel like sometimes I'm a failure when I'm teaching the word of God and I don't see people growing and changing. I don't even see it in my own life sometimes. I'm like, what are you doing? You know. But we need to be on the grow. And, and not be deceived into chasing this world. Repent. Metanoia. Change your mind. And then what? Be baptized. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, you can argue about this. Uh, about what, well, what does that mean? Well, baptism means to be fully immersed. It's baptismo. It means to be whelmed, to make whelmed, fully wet. And it means to be dipped repeatedly, repeatedly. So there's two things I believe is going on here. Yes, yes, when you believe God, the first thing that you want to do is be baptized in water. 
Because the water baptism, in that day, people were baptized to identify with a certain teacher. That's the way you did it. You identified by going and being baptized. That's why John the baptizer was baptizing people. Jesus never baptized anybody. Paul never. Paul says, I thank God that I never baptized any of you except for maybe this house and that house, two people. But that's not what he was called to do. He was called to preach the gospel. The baptism was just identifying with Jesus. Think about it. When the people followed Moses through the Red Sea, they were baptized into Moses. They identified with Moses who was called out, and they were identifying that they were called out. What did they do? They got in the wilderness, and they quit listening. And everybody 20 and above died in the wilderness because they quit listening. Then they go across the Jordan following Joshua. They're really baptized into Joshua, the second generation, because they're following even the flood that came to destroy the whole world with Noah, Noah's family was baptized into believing God in that. They identified with the message. Why? Because they did it. They obeyed it. They built an ark for 120 years. They were on there. They were waiting. Nobody else identified. Nobody else was baptized into the flood. Everybody else was judged by the flood. So here I believe this baptism has a couple different meanings. Now, I'm just, I'm just telling you what I'm looking at. I believe that the Spirit of God baptizes us in the body of Christ when you repent and believe. You're baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. But I also believe that as you continue to be led and taught and go, in, you're going to, number one, you're going to get water baptized and identify with God. But number two... As you listen and you continue to change your mind, the Holy Spirit's going to keep dipping you in the water. You're going to keep going in the water. Like if you ever washed anything in a bucket and you keep dipping the rag down and you're soaking it and you take it the old-fashioned way, we, the washers now, they kind of go, ding, 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 and they keep matching them in the water. But we would go like this and dip them down in the water repeatedly because the Holy Spirit is washing and cleansing us with the washing of the water through the Word. So it's a continual staying in the flow of the Holy Spirit teaching, training, leading, and using us and continuing to dip us to keep cleaning us. Because in our own minds, in our own hearts, not, 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 not our positional place with Christ, we still have bad thoughts. We still have a mind that goes back to what it used to do. We were that, but we can actually act like that. And so he has to, you have to keep repenting. So it's just to keep dipping, it's to keep agreeing, to keep metanoia, keep repenting when you see truth and you go, wow, I knew that once, but I'm not doing that. And so you get dipped in the water again. You get a little bit of soap in your mouth again. You get a little bit of cleansing again. And you go, wow, I repent, Lord. But there's many things, and I've always said this since I've been born again, um, you don't have to agree with it. If we seen God, we would die. But if God let us see how ugly our own hearts were, I mean, we sing it in light of the world, and I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. Because if we seen how dirty we actually were to a holy, perfect God, we'd go, it's no use. There's no way you're going to clean that up. This is ugly. But God, all things are possible with God. That's all we have to do is say, behold, the servant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. Just like we're going to see Mary say, this week in Luke chapter 1. Is it verse 38? She's going she's to not understand it fully. She's a young girl. She's a child. But she's going to say, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. 
Let it be done to me according to your word. Isn't that what we really want? So we need the Holy Spirit to keep washing us and cleansing us. And I, so I believe the baptism is not just the sealing where he seals us. We receive the seal, the down payment money. But I believe it's also Acts 1.8 where he said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem, Judea, and all Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. So the, the Holy Spirit is active all the way through, not just in power, not just in sealing you for possession, not just in continuing to wash you, but he's teaching you, he's leading you. You're listening to him. You're trusting in him. He's convicting you. He's reproving you. He's teaching you. And he's completing you and preparing you for every good work. So it's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. See, and then guess what? We get the credit. Because what are they going to say here in a minute? They continued steadfastly in what? The apostles' doctrine. It's not the apostles' doctrine. It's the word of God. It's God's doctrine. But they were obedient to listen and repeat it. They heard it and then they shared it. <coughs> and then people called it and God calls it and God gives us credit. And we get to heaven, we get the crown and he's going to say, oh, no, 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 this is yours. And we're going to take it off a lady and sing, and sing holy, 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 or worthy is the lamb or whatever we sing. So I believe that, uh, and it, it, it's, it's, it's baptized is, is several things there or can be considered. I'm not going to argue about it with somebody. They might say, oh, no, but make sure you don't twist it because then it looks like you got baptized so that you could have remission of sins. That's a work. Because your sins have been paid for, now you go and obey. And you're going to be, one, baptized in water. Two, you was sealed in the spiritual realm. Three, you're being washed and cleansed over and over and over. You're cleansed once perfectly, but now your your spirit, soul, and body is being sanctified and cleansed. What was I looking for? Oh, notes. That's what it was. Remission. This means freedom. It means deliverance from the sin nature. It means forgiveness. It means a release. See, that happens when you believe in Christ, when you believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. That, that belief, uh, that's when you're saved. But when you're saved, you get sealed by the Holy Spirit. And listen to me. If you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, wouldn't you want to get baptized next in the water? You want to start obeying God because you just changed your mind. You just changed your mind and said, I was living wrong. You're the Savior, and I don't know what I'm doing. I need a new operating system. I need you to be my mind for me. I need to know what you have for me. I'm in a new house. I want to be part of your kingdom. You're set free, the remission of sin, pardon, given liberty to follow God, not to still fight God. That's the whole point here, is that now the Holy Spirit, God himself, is in your heart doing home makeover. You become the temple of God. He's living in there and going, what do you want to do? Because he will not force you to do anything. You've already repented and said, I believe, so he seals you. And now it's up to you to choose to follow him. And then he can use you for his glory for such a time as this. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, again, we have gift of the Holy Spirit. Is that the power? Is that Acts 1 8? Is that is that 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where he said the graces of God, the gifts of God, they're given to each one individually, and there's a diversity of gifts, and one he gives this and one he gives that. He gives us each different gifts. I believe it's referring to just the Holy Spirit being given to you. And then when you cooperate with the Holy Spirit in your sanctification, in your walk, as you begin to have a relationship with the Spirit of God and let Him lead you because you know that your mind is tainted, it's corrupt. The way you deal with things is messed up because it's been led by the flesh, by the world, and by Satan all of your life. And now God comes in and says, oh, I loved you and died for you, and now you can be betrothed to me but first, we got to do a little preparation for the wedding. Let's get prepared. Let's get washed. Let's get cleansed. Let's put on Christ. Let's put on the garments for the wedding supper. And so he wraps us. He protects us. And he begins to allow all the things that are going on uh, to be a sword or a scalpel to do that heart surgery we're talking about with your spirit. And then you choose to allow him to be the great physician. Just like I've said so many times, the, the word commandment actually in tole, I think that's how it's pronounced, means an authoritative prescription for a sick soul that's been living for itself, for sin and for Satan. And now he gives you an authoritative commandment, statutes, precepts, doctrine. And you say, wow, I can't do that. Oh, good thing you admit that because here I am to save the day. Here's the Holy Spirit that can do it through you if you let him use your vessel to do the work. And as it's done through you, it changes your desires. It changes your ways. And you practice and you learn to do it. You learn how to do it by practicing it. You ever trace something? Like you're tracing something and you go, you're tra instead of drawing the picture, you trace it? Well, your, your brain, your mind, your heart still learns to make those moves. You can trace something and learn to draw really, really good. Because your mind is being trained in the motion. And your fingers, they're so fearfully and wonderfully made, they feel the muscles. And, and they understand that. And they learn to do that. That's why we practice with bolts. We practice with all kinds of stuff. And then your hand and your eyes and all the coordination in you learns that, that exercise and that dexterity and is able to do that now. Same thing if you trace something. So we want to be led by the Spirit and follow the Spirit. It's like we're tracing that life of Christ and we're learning it and it becomes who we are as we practice it in our heart. Practicing righteousness, it leads you to do righteousness. When you hit the wrong nail with the hammer, you don't cry out the way you used to. But you might say, holy the Jesus or something. You know what I mean? We used to say some really crazy stuff. Sometimes you might not say anything anymore. You might just go, mm, that hurts. But you know what? That abundance of the heart, it doesn't come out anymore because you know that that's not, it should not happen, James tells us. Shouldn't worship, you shouldn't praise God and, and have cursing come out of the same place. It's just not, it's just not what we should be doing. I better get back on this. So for the remission, the pardon, to be set free, it actually says for the, for the remission, uh, and for is an indication of a point reached or entered. 
So that, that's, the, that's the point reached or entered because you believe there's a remission of sins, there's a pardoning of sins, and then there's, a, there's that release that happens. And then the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he says in 39, one of the most encouraging verses you might find in the Bible. For the promise, the announcement, the pledge, the, the, uh, uh, the divine assurance of good is what this means. The promise, the divine assurance of good, the pledge that God has made that's being announced is to you personally and to your children that you're supposed to be training and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord your God shall call to summon to invite uh, to call to himself listen when you come to Jesus you come to God back into his house back into a daily walk in the garden of your heart the middle of you this is what's being learned we see it all in the physical, in the life, and in the Bible, but it's a spiritual walk. Of, we don't regard anything as flesh and blood anymore. It's all spiritual. And God is with us everywhere. You can't get away from him. So it's really good. I mean, people say, practice his presence. Practice his presence. Why do I need to practice it? I know he's here. I just want to enjoy his presence and be reminded of his presence and ask him for help. Since he's here now. 40. Oh, number of judgment. 40. 240. Listen. And with many other words, he testified. Many other words he testified. Words is logos. If it says the word, it's Jesus himself. Because there's a definite article with the word. Anytime you see the word, it's going to be Christ himself, Logos. Listen, it's so interesting because, see, God spoke, and this is his book. It's written down by people that were involved with him and listened to him and obeyed him, that followed him, that were trusted, and the Holy Spirit used them, and they wrote down the actions of God, the words of God, the things of God, the character, the nature of God. And there's a devil out there that's writing all kinds of books that tell you everything about God, but they, they don't, they're, they're not trying to tell you the truth of God. So they lead you off. It's a book that might have 99% truth in it, just like the devil did to Eve, but there's 1% lie in it, so it gets you off a degree. This is the book we want to read. In fact, every time they make a new one of these Bibles, they take you off a little bit more a degree. They take you off. They've got to change 10% of it because of copyright rules. And they're moving you off of the true logos of God. They're moving you to someplace else slowly. But we still think we are okay. We're okay. Listen, be very careful what you're doing. I would encourage you, King James, New King James, stay close. Stay close. Study the Bible. Oh, not for salvation, but because of salvation. See, I, I, we, we talk about this all the time. Uh, I, I'm a, a, a carpet cleaner also uh, for my, the way I make bricks or make food to pay for my, my home. And do I go to work wanting to be the worst carpet cleaner? I just show up. I don't care whether I clean carpet or not. 
Think about it. In everything that we do, no matter what our profession is, we all diligently want to do it good. We want to hear somebody say, that's a good job. You did a good job. Why not with the Word of God? Why do we not dig into the Word of God? Why are we so interested with all the new stuff in our areas, our specific areas of influences, but we're not interested in the place that our soul is going to spend eternity? And how do I change my mind? Is somebody lying to me? If somebody comes out with a new medical book tomorrow that lies, I mean, they're doing it all over. I'm not allowed to talk about it because they'll kick me off of YouTube. But they're lying and lying and lying, and they want you to believe new science that's not new science at all. It's old sin. It's old lie. It's old devil. Why do the people of God who say we are the people of the truth and we have the book of truth, why are we so easily deceived into following these books that they write? I am not interested clearly with any books that anybody's writing except for God. He's already wrote the only book that's important. Why would I read somebody that's paraphrasing or rewriting it or redoing it? When I can spend time with my husband, I can spend time with him daily, and I already know he died for me, so I know he's got every perfect way ready for me. I know he's not trying to do anything to deceive me, but he's doing everything to bring me back to him, to get me to change my mind. And, and I know that if I don't listen to him, I've already got the promise that since I'm his child, he'll spank my butt. He's not even going to let me keep going, but he's extremely long-suffering. He'll wait a long time before he spanks my butt, but he's going to spank my butt if I don't listen. That's a good thing. We look at it as a bad thing in our world today when somebody gets a punishment or gets in trouble because lawlessness abounds. You're allowed to do anything you want. Okay, you are. God gave you free will. You can choose to do anything you want, but you should choose to repent and believe in Jesus and turn to him. This is it. Many other words. Verse 40, this is judgment. He gave testimony, and he exhorted them. I'm calling you near. Be saved from this perverse, crooked generation. Oh, this ain't a crooked generation. People just really love, don't they? Aren't people all just good inside themselves? No, these are lies. The Bible testifies. The whole world's underneath the sway of the wicked one. They're telling us, be saved from this perverse. It's, it's actually a froward. Oh, no, untoward. It's warped. It's winding. It's crooked. It's wicked. Be saved. Be delivered and protected. Sozo. From this crooked and perverse generation. That's 40. That's the judgment. God tells us this is a crooked and perverse generation. And by repentance is the only way you can be saved from it. Now watch verse 41. What happens when that's announced? When people's hearts have been cut. What happens, Greg? Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. They did the first thing. They went and got in the water. They obeyed. I'm identifying with that. I believe you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to follow what you're saying. You seem to have the truth. And that day, about 3,000 souls. Notice it wasn't about anything but souls. The testimony of the Holy Spirit tells us that it was the souls that God was concerned about. 
we're always concerned about people's rights and about their color and about their how much money they got. We're concerned about them being feeling comfortable and their emotions. Listen, God died on a cross and rose again on the third day for our souls. He came down and gave his most prized possession to die for the souls. And we have to be concerned about souls. If the spirit of God is in us, we need to be concerned about the souls of the people around us. That means our soul first, then the people around us that, 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 that go to church even. They're in the church. It's the one another ministry. And then it goes out. It goes out first. You do good to those of the household of faith first. And then you go out. And you begin to become an evangelist or a witness. What did he do? He gave testimony. And I would tell you that there's probably more than 3,000 people standing here. But only 3,000 of them were saved that day. See that? But it's a reversal of what happened when the giving of the law is what people teach. Remember when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and he had the commandments and 3,000 people died that day. And then the Levitical priesthood, all the tribe of Levi came over and helped. They, they took his side. They chose his side. They changed their mind. They was all rose up to play. But then when Moses come back down and judgment started falling on the camp, because they made them golden calves and they rose up to play, what happened? 3,000 souls died that day when the law was given. Now grace has come and 3,000 people get saved because they believed and changed their mind. They were added. This is the multiple, or this is the math of the Holy Spirit. They were added to them, those that already were saved, those that were already waiting in the upper room, those that already believed. Souls mean uh, the breath of life. Psyche, the breath of life. See, now we got to be careful here. Again, I, I, I just want you to be careful because see what happened is, is God's word means something. It's the truth. It's got a definition to it. But then the world takes the word and they turn it into something else. They go, this is what we call the psyche. You know, and this is what we're talking about, the ultra ego and the id and all these. And they start making up this religion to change what God is talking about. But this word means the breath of life. Why? Because when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he breathed into dirt and breathed the breath of life into them, and they became a living being. And then they believed another voice, and they died. And we all inherited that death, and we're born dead. But when we repent and change our mind and believe that Jesus died for us and took our death, he breathes life into us again. And our soul is saved by breathing life back into us. The Holy Spirit comes in and is married to our spirit, but our spirit still has to say yes because he's not going to force it upon us. Think about in marriages that we have today even, the physical that God trains us with. He's training us with marriage and family where we die to self, where we're supposed to lay our lives down, we're supposed to be serving, we're supposed to be submitting, we're supposed to be training. All those things are used in the marriage and family. Listen, he uses that. And then in the spiritual, when he breathes life back into us, now we become betrothed to him. He's head. He's never changing. He's always right. He died for us. He loves us. Then why would we not listen to somebody who loves us enough to die for us 
and has our best interest and is leading us out of this world. He becomes the door and he leads us out of this death into his kingdom of life and light forever into his glory to rule and reign with him. Why would we not listen to God's word? Well, because we get distracted. We get planeo. We get enticed and deceived into straying from safety, straying from his voice and listening to another voice. Listen, I'm telling you right now, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, you need to very quickly count it suspect and investigate it and be careful with it. Well, I, I don't know what the word of God says. Right. You're supposed to be reading it and studying it. You're supposed to be learning it. You're supposed to be getting into it. Not just read it, but 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 memorize it. That's why we do a memory verse every Friday night. But it doesn't have to be limited to just one. You can memorize all you want. But you you read it, you spend time with it, you meditate upon it, you learn it, you save it, you share it, you make it your own. You say this is the truth that changes lives. And when you share it with somebody else, they have a choice in their conscience whether they want to believe it or not. Whether they want to metanoia or not. Whether they want to repent or not. Whether they want to be baptized or not. What did they do when them souls were saved? This is our memory verse. What did saved souls do that were added to the number of the kingdom of God? They continued steadfastly. See that? This is what they did. How did the church grow? How did we ever find out about Jesus? How did you and I ever hear about this? Because they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They kept telling people. They were being equipped. That's why we come to Bible study. That's why we talk about this. That's what the, the, the meeting is about, is the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry until we all come to the knowledge of the, of the fullness of God. We're all doing it together. But it becomes a great witness. It becomes an amazing witness. Where did Greg go? Where did Mike go? Where did Dana go? Where did they, where did uh, Sandra, what, uh, what's your name, Sonia? I'm sorry, my brain was go, saying I don't want to do everybody. Now that I did two, got to do everybody. Uh, <laughs> where did Joe go? Where, you know, where did uh, Bill go? He used to come here and hang out with us on Friday nights. Where is he at? See, there should be a difference in that life because of changing your mind. It changes your direction. It changes everything about you. And you begin to listen to God because you recognize You've been lied to all your life. Some people on purpose, some on accident, some because of the sway of the world. They continued steadfastly. It means to be earnest towards or to persevere or to be constantly diligent. Isn't that funny? To be constantly diligent. I looked it up in the Merriam-Webster 1828. Don't look it up in the New Dictionaries. Their words are all crazy. Listen to what it means. And I know people get mad at me for saying stuff like that. But I don't want to, to read the new. I don't want to read the new Bibles. I don't want to read the new dictionaries. I don't want to read the new stuff because they're constantly changing it. 
uh, linguistics is the science of, of words, right? Or science of language. And they're constantly changing science. So can you believe they're changing words? We'll get into one here in a minute where it's changed. Listen, to be constantly diligent. Diligent means steady in application. It means uh, uh, constant in effort and uh, not idle or neglect. Not, not to be idle in it or to neglect it. Do a, do a word study on idle, guys, later. Just study idle. Remember, remember the parable of the sower or the workers in the field? Why are you standing here? You're idle. Why are you not in the field? You've just been standing out here idle. It's, it, it's, it's, it's in several places in the Bible. It's pretty interesting to read just the places where you can be idle. Well, I believe in Jesus. Why, why is your car just idling there? Why are you sitting here? Where's the power at in your life? Where's the dynamic of the Holy Spirit? Why are you just sitting still and not on the grow? If you, you're idle. And that's what the devil wants, is us to be idle and not do the work of the ministry, not perform and do what God has called us to do. He's okay if we're idle. You're not supposed to be idle. You're supposed to be constantly diligent or you fall asleep. And then you have to be risen from the dead again. And then you have to see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time. For the days are evil. Give self continually is what it means steadfastly. It means to be devoted. To what? Apostles' doctrine. The word of God. See, because he's given them credit. It's the, the apostles means the delegate or especially the ambassadors of the gospel. And see, we're ambassadors of Christ. As though Christ was pleading to us, be reconciled to God. So then he gives us his word, and we go out and share his word, and that becomes the one sent forth, the ambassadors. It he allows it to be ours, but we own it. If you share it, you own it. It becomes yours because it's your life, and you're married to him, or at least betrothed. And you believe him, so it becomes your message because it's his message. It's your family. It's your kingdom also. If he's king... So it's the apostles' doctrine or the word of God. Doctrine, of course, means teaching. It means instruction, that which is taught. It's the word of God. Again, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. That's what we're supposed to be diligent in. God breathed. All scripture is God breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped Complete, ready for every good work. Psalms 119.105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your apostles' doctrine is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. It's what God has spoken, what God has said, what he's telling us to share with others. It, it shines down on your feet, and then it shows you which way to go. Don't go over there. It's dark over there. Don't go over there. That's a lie. Don't go over there. That's got PhD written all over it. Permanent head damage. Don't go over there. That's false science. Stay right here. This is the way the Holy Spirit's going. Straight there. Straight paths for your feet. Psalm 119.9. How can a young man cleanse his way? Let's just look there. I like this. It, 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 we memorized the whole thing. If you've been with us, you've memorized it with us. Psalms 119.9-11. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word 
119.9. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Isn't that pretty cool? I love it. Keep dipping. Look, how can a young man cleanse his way? Keep dipping. Keep coming back. Keep being, letting the Holy Spirit dip you in and dip you in and dip you in. Take heed. That's the diligent. Again, it's observed. It's having a regard for it. With my whole heart. Not see, That's our responsibility. Are you going to? With your whole heart or just some of it? I just think, ah, maybe on Sundays. I might jump into a Bible study. No, no, no. Does the word of God shine a lamp to your feet and a light to your path all week long? All week long, your decisions, everything that you're doing is decided by the word of God. Because you're trying to hide it in your heart. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Look at the plea that's going on there. The prayer that's going on there. Your word, I've done my part. Your word I have hidden in my heart. I'm putting your word in my heart. I'm putting your truth in my heart. I'm planting that seed in there that I might not sin miss the mark against you and then he gives a great blessing blessed are you O lord teach me your statutes because it's always going back to the holy spirit's doing it the holy spirit's the one teaching it and then of course he says with my uh lips i have declared uh, your judgment so he goes on he's sharing that's what happens when you begin to hide it and you're concerned about it we better get back to our text i don't want to be there all day but uh there's a continued dipping Continue washing and cleansing of the water through the word by the Holy Spirit and by your choice to keep doing that. So this is how the early church was growing. It's how it shared the message. It's how it, it, how it, it's how it got to you and me, faithful witnesses, faithful people with the, uh, testify with the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Koinonia is the word. It means all things in common. Now these are not in to me. To me, they're in reverse order, almost. I think prayer is the most important thing in a person's life, uh, and we're going to get to that last. But I think it's the most important thing. Jesus said, "My house should be a house of prayer." He didn't say it should be a house of fellowship. He didn't say it should be a house of uh, 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 the word. He didn't say it should be a house of breaking bread. He said it should be a house of prayer. Because that's, again, where you are meeting with God and being dependent upon God. But then you have to know, well, who is this God I'm praying to? And then you get into the Word. And then you go, man, I was in the Word and you're having fellowship. And you go, I was in the Word and, and the Word told me I need to quit my job and I need to go to Mexico and just hang out. And, and you go, whoa, 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 what do you mean? What spirit was you listening to? And you have this fellowship, you have this accountability, you have people having all things in common, and you start to be concerned about others, and you go, where are they at? And, you, and when you hear they're sick, you pray for them, and you're doing everything together because you're in the same house. You're in the same body. You're the same people. So fellowship is very, very important. It means a partnership. But here's what I wanted to tell you, is that here's a place where they change it. It actually means Social intercourse. We're interacting. See, the devil is taking everything, like even the word love. He takes the word love, which is God. And what does he do? He brings it into the physical and he makes it perverted sex. I love you. 
He makes it the, the reason for things in the physical, but God says he is love, the spiritual. So it, we can't take love and redefine it when God says he is love, and it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We bring it back into the physical, the devil does, and the church should not line up with it. We know what love is. It's not sexual intercourse. I mean, that, it's just not true. But yet the church tolerates it. We live with that language. We walk about the world with that same mindset when we're supposed to have on the mind of Christ. And love to us is God. He came down and became a man and took flesh and dwelt among us. God so loved the world that he died. They changed the words on us. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 said, let us, this is one of our memory verses, right? Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Listen, that day's approaching. It's coming. Breaking of bread. Now, there's, I mean, breaking means fracturing, the act of fracturing a loaf of bread. And I, in 46, he actually says, so they continued daily with one accord, they only have one car, in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Uh, praising, one, praising God and, and the Lord added to their numbers those who are being saved. But listen, <clears throat> It's hard to define whether it's talking about communion, which most people think it is because it breaks the bread and sharing, or if it's just talking about having a love feast together like we do. But they actually, when you begin to look at it in, in, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, you see Paul admonishing them and talking to them, and they would actually have the love feast where they would have food, and then they took communion at the same time. So they became one of the same. So they can become the same, but you only ate with your close personal friends anyway. So it's still a family thing. But communion or breaking bread is reminding us that we're married to God. Reminding us that we've been betrothed to God. Reminding us of our wedding vows that we need to learn to be faithful. But in that, they always had what's called the love feast where they considered one another. They came together. They had meals. And that's what he was rebuking them for was because there are so many divisions among them. And over here, people are eating great food. People are starving over here. And then they go, let's take communion. And we're all the same now. Well, why didn't you give me some of your steak then if we're all the same? Why did you treat me like I was a vagabond over there? And now you want to take the Lord's cup table together. So I, I believe it's, it's, it's uh, communion. Because he repeats it in 46. And he says, breaking of bread, and they ate their meals with simplicity. I think there's trying to be a division there. I can't prove it. I think it all works together. I think it's okay. I think it's okay that we understand we need to be taking communion, and we should be eating together, and we should have all things in common because we're a family. But that's my opinion. And then, then in prayers, which is an oratory chapel, it's worship. It, there, there, there's different kinds of prayer. 
we have prayer meeting where we pray out loud. You know, I remember when I first got saved and the church had a prayer meeting. I knew enough about the Bible to be dangerous. I said, you can't pray out loud. you got to go in your closet, pray in secret, and God will reward you in secret. And Tom said, Greg, Greg, the church was birthed in a prayer meeting. They were waiting on God and praying. When the church got born, oh, I said, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I received correction. I, I, I thought, wait a minute, I knew this verse. And so you have to take the full counsel of God. So there's different kinds of prayers. You know, uh, uh, women might pray with women. Men might pray with men. You might have a corporate prayer where everybody prays together over everything that the needs of the body have. You might, uh, But he says in Philippians, Paul tells them to be anxious or worry about nothing, but pray about everything. All things through prayer with supplication, earnest prayer. With supplication, and, uh, all things through prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. You want to be thankful because sometimes people pray and they're not thankful for what God did. Like we should be praying and be thankful that Millie's out of the hospital, that Ellie's out of the hospital. But we're also praying for people that are still sick. So there's different prayers there. But then there's also thanksgiving. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So you're watching what he's doing. You're seeing what he's doing. And you learn the heart of God. Every time you pray, heal them, Lord, doesn't mean he's going to heal them. Sometimes he heals people by taking them home to be with him, and he gives them the perfect healing by a brand new body. Sometimes he, you should be praying, Lord, teach them something through this. This is the, they, they won't quit smoking. They keep doing this. Teach them to, I'm not being picking on anybody, but I'm just saying, teach them something through this, Lord. That was not intended for anybody. It really wasn't. I'm just, it just came out. But when people, when you're praying for people and they're continuing, you want them to learn. Don't you want to learn? I want to learn. I don't want to keep praying and go, why am I still here? Why am I still in that same spot? Why am I not growing? Because I'm not praying and listening to what God is saying and then obeying it. Because he stops speaking when he says do this and you don't do that. Then he says, I love you, but that's, that's the next instruction. That's the next thing. This is where you need to be. So there's lots of different kinds of prayers. And I'm not saying that God punishes, but he does chastise. He loves us with a never-ending love. He's not here to destroy us. He's here to purify us and wash us and cleanse us. And no, I still don't think that smoking uh, uh, is evil. I think you'll smell like you've been to hell when you get to heaven. <laughs> and it does sometimes. It can actually interfere with your fellowship. I am thankful that God delivered me after 26 years of smoking. I started smoking when I was seven years old. So, um, not every day, but stealing them from people and pilfering them. And what happened after they were continuing in the word, prayer, and fellowship and taking communion? That's what I believe it says. Look what happened. Verse 43. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, koinonia, and sold their possessions and good and divided them among all and anyone who had, or as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Um, I guess I should make one before I give you your next week's verse. Um, they sold all their stuff and they were never told to do that. And the church in Jerusalem became the poorest church because they didn't take good care of their, their it wasn't a good steward with their possessions. And so then you see Paul going around taking up a collection to bring back to the church in Jerusalem because the only way they could really make money and do things was to have land and in order to, to, to buy and sell and, and to, to do things. And they sold everything to put it all in one kitty and it really wasn't something that they were told to do. Uh, and then we get another lesson in chapter 5 about that too with Ananias and Sapphira. But we're not covering that. What I want to cover is, is how does the church still grow today? There's nothing new. We're to stay in the word, prayer, and fellowship. Take communion. That's how. That's what we're supposed to still be doing. And once you, you know who you're praying to, you know who you're fellowshipping with. You can tell a tree by its fruit, and you keep getting dipped in. That's why we encourage you. Read through the word of God with us in the new year. That's why we encourage you. Memorize scripture with us. Have your mind washed. Start to think about those things, and you memorize it. You memorize it. You're learning it. We're going through it. It has to be putting on the mind of Christ. Well, what has he said? Here it is, 66 books, 40 authors, every bit of it. Repent. Change your mind. You're not getting anything from the world except for death. Next week, James, or excuse me, uh, where'd that come from? 1 Peter 4, 7. This is going to be the memory verse I want to carry you into the new year. This is what I want you to meditate on. It's not very long. I want you to meditate on it, though, for the rest of the year until we meet again next year. It's 1 Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and Sober-minded, watchful in your prayers. And I do think that prayer, Jesus said, my, my house should be a house of prayer. I think it's so most important. It, you have to sit down. You have to be still. You have to almost insult your intelligence in some ways because you're talking to God and you're listening to God um, and you're learning the desires of God, the heart of God. Lord, I always just pray, heal him. But what is your desire, Lord? So I can pray into your perfect will and I can see my prayers answered and then I can be thankful because God might be moving them someplace else. God might be doing something else. And so when you're praying, you want to pray according to what the Spirit says, as Paul talks about over in Ephesians 6. Okay, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, teach us to be faithful in prayer. Teach us to spend time before your throne room. To come boldly to the uh, throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Thank you that now because of Jesus we can come all the way in to your presence. Mm. Pour out your spirit upon us. Have your way with us. Give us wisdom in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you.